your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 594 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. That song you're hearing right now is, of course, Leave the Lights On from our good friends in Pacifier. You can check those guys out anywhere you get your music. And it was gut check time in Game 5 for the New York Rangers. Obviously, they were down three games to one in the series and down two to nothing in this game as late as, you know, the final few minutes of the second period. They explode for three goals, take a 3-2 lead. Pittsburgh closes to 3-3, and then Philip Heedle uh, scores the game-winning goal in the third period, and Ryan Lindgren, making his return to the lineup, uh, gets the empty netter to seal the victory and push this series back to Pittsburgh for Game 6. And it's funny because, you know, watching this game and knowing what we know about what happened in practice the other day, and of course, if you missed it, Gerard Gallant, after Game 4, you know, the Rangers practiced between Games 4 and Games 5, and Gallant had them all running gassers, and it was a strategy that was somewhat questionable. As I mentioned in the last episode, I think that, you know, if it's the regular season, by all means, the effort that the Rangers turned in in Game 4 was completely unacceptable. Run those guys until their legs don't work anymore, or, or you know, have them do gassers until their legs do not work anymore. Uh, but, you know, obviously with it being the playoffs and the fact that the Rangers have their backs against the wall and they're entering a must-win situation in Game 5, it certainly was a move by Gallant that was uh, going to be subject to some second-guessing if it hadn't worked out. And when you watch this game, the early parts of this game, the first period, and even most of the second period, uh, the Rangers were basically uh, getting outworked, out-hustled, out-skated by the Pittsburgh Penguins. It was just a deflating start to this game because it wasn't really a whole lot better than Game 4. I mean, obviously, the Penguins weren't scoring goals at the clip that they were in games three and four, but they were completely controlling the play, you know, pretty much from the start of the game up until, like I said, just a couple of minutes remaining in the second period. But Igor Shesterkin was back to his old self. I still don't know that we've seen, uh, you know, well, in games one and two we did, but I don't know that game five last night was prime vintage, uh, you know, best of the best, you know, at the top of his game, Igor Shesterkin. He was close. He made some really good saves and some really clutch saves in this game. I think Igor uh, has even more to give uh, than we've seen from him so far in this series, though. And in Game 6, I really believe, not just Igor Shesterkin, but really the entire team, you are going to need to see the Rangers play their best game of this series if they are to extend it to Game 7. I don't think anything less than the best playoff performance of this series by the New York Rangers is going to get it done. But there's a ton to talk about here. We have to still get to the uh, injury to Sidney Crosby. He was taken out on a hit by Jacob Truba. There's a lot of controversy surrounding that hit. Was it clean? Was it dirty? So we're getting to that uh, in just a second as well. But I got to give a big-time shout-out to Ryan Lindgren for sure. His absence was definitely felt during these last couple of games in Pittsburgh. You know, the Penguins scoring seven goals a night and basically, again, just skating circles around the Rangers. Rangers playing poor team defense. And, you know, he's back in the lineup last night, and he definitely made a difference. And it just goes to show how important he really is for the Rangers. He's been one of the unsung heroes of this team pretty much all season. Even when you look at Adam Fox in this series, Adam Fox has not been at his best. And I would even include uh, this game last night as, you know, further 
proof of that. You know, I realized Fox ended up with a goal in this game and, you know, ended up with 26 minutes, 25 seconds of ice time. So he was the workhorse that he always is for the New York Rangers. Uh, but be that as it may, he still has not been at the very top of his game, and he's been missing his defense partner for the majority of this series. So I think it just goes to show, uh, first of all, how much chemistry those two have, how well they play together, and secondly, how important Ryan Lindgren really is to this team. And it was just awesome to see him get credited with the game, or not game-winning goal, but the game-clinching goal, the empty netter with just 16 seconds remaining, uh, Lindgren lifting the puck out of his own zone. Jake Gensel got his glove on it, but the puck continued to kind of just trickle down the ice and into the empty net, and uh, Ryan Lindgren with his first goal of the playoffs. That was awesome to see as well. But it's crazy because, you know, I'm watching this game, and I'm just like you guys. You know, I'm a fan before I ever became a locked-on host, and, you know, I'll always be a fan at my core, and I'm watching Game 5 here, and first period isn't very good. They're down one nothing. The second period isn't really much better. I thought they were skating a little bit better at the start of the second period, but be that as it may, the Penguins still able to kind of counterpunch against the Rangers. They got a two-on-one break pretty much out of nowhere, and you've got Malkin feeding Latang for a goal about eight minutes into the second period, and just like that, it's two to nothing, and even the next couple of minutes, it wasn't really much better for the Rangers, and you know, as a fan, I'm Getting to be getting to the point where I'm borderline disgusted as the host of this podcast. And listen, I never give up on this New York Ranger team. I know better than that by now. These guys have shown a lot of heart, a lot of character, a lot of grit this season. Every time people kind of tend to leave them for dead, they seem to answer back with a big time performance. So by no means was I giving up. Uh, you know, with the Rangers looking at a two nothing deficit in the second period. But I will admit, you know, as the host of this podcast, I have to start thinking in my head like, okay. How do I want to frame this? If this game keeps going the way that it's going and the Rangers, you know, go out with a whimper here and there's just not much fight, not much pushback, they lay an egg on Garden Ice after losing two in a row in Pittsburgh and they end up losing this game like 3 nothing or 3-1 or 4-1 and, you know, there just isn't really ever a point in this game where you feel like the Rangers are really in contention and really you know, looking like there's even a chance that they're going to win. If all that happens, then what do I say when I come on here? How do I kind of frame this? How do I kind of, you know, speak in a way that's still encouraging? Because obviously the Rangers had a great season and they ended up uh, with a lot more wins and a lot more points than pretty much anybody would have expected this season. So I would have to kind of, you know, present that. But I also have to kind of counterbalance that with, the tremendous disappointment that there would have been among all of us if the Rangers had once again gone out with a whimper last night, lost this game three to nothing, lost this game three to one, whatever the final score might be, uh, lost this game without really putting up much fight, without ever really asserting themselves in the final three games of this series. It would have been brutal. The game three loss was brutal. I know the Rangers came back in that one. You know, they were down four to one, had the big second period to get it tied at four four going into the third. But let's be honest here, game three. The Rangers were soundly outplayed in the first and third periods, and Game 4 was a complete train wreck. They were outplayed from the opening faceoff until the final horn, and so you've got two really bad games in Pittsburgh, and you would have had a third really bad performance to end your season, and you know go out just kind of lackluster passively with your season on the line and needing a win to keep going. That would have been rough. It would have been really tough to be a Ranger fan right now uh, had they gone out the way it looked like they might go out as this game was progressing. Again, even fairly late into the second period there, not looking good at all for the Rangers. But you know what? This team dug deep. They found a way. They exploded for three goals at the end of the second period. Adam Fox, Alexi Lafreniere, Jacob Truba, all scoring within, uh, let's see, two minutes and 42 seconds of each other. So just like that, a 2 nothing deficit turns into a 3-2 lead. Uh, unfortunately, they gave one right back to Jake Gensel. Gensel scored 13 seconds after Truba tied the game. And so it was tied going into the third period. Uh, but we're going to 
break down all these goals, this just tremendous explosion from the Rangers, and talk about how they were able to get back into this game, start imposing their will a little bit on the Pittsburgh Penguins. And we will do that in just a second. But first, I just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by Athletic Greens. Athletic Greens is something that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted a supplement that actually tasted great, and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. Now I've been on it for a couple of months, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has kind of a mild tropical taste that I actually look forward to each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it is cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, just want to thank you guys for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. All right, like I said, we're going to go ahead and get to the Ranger three-goal barrage in the second period. We'll do that in just a second. Uh, but first, I want to back up just a little bit here to the first minute of the game. Of course, the Penguins end up with a five-on-three advantage for a full two minutes. Uh, basically, Sidney Crosby got behind the Ranger defense, drew a slashing call against Chris Kreider. And while this was happening, or maybe just before this, uh, Jacob Truba also called for an elbowing penalty on a hit along the boards and... You really could not ask for a much more disastrous start to this game because obviously you're fighting for your lives here. And what was it, 24 seconds into the action, you're going to be down five on three once again for the full two minutes. Very, very difficult uh, task to kill off this uh, two-man advantage for the Penguins, but the Rangers were able to do it. Uh, you had a great play by Andrew Kopp early in the penalty kill here. He intercepts a pass and got the clear. He was out there with Fox and Lindgren to start this penalty kill. Uh, not too long after that, the Penguins are offside. But then Ryan Lindgren, again, we talked about the impact uh, that he made in this game during the intro here. He went down to block a one-time attempt by Evgeny Malkin, and Penguins got the puck back. Igor Shesterkin made a great glove save extending upward, and that was really encouraging as well. We know what happened with Igor Shesterkin in Pittsburgh. He ended up getting yanked out of both of those two games, but to see him make a really sharp, really clutch save early in this game, uh, you know, extending upward fully, cat-like reflexes, snagging the puck, and, uh, you know, obviously keeping the game scoreless. That was absolutely huge right there. And the Rangers, you know, they do a great job here. They end up killing off the entire two-man advantage, all two minutes of it, and you're kind of thinking like, okay, you know, we can build on this. This is a great start to the game. Could have been a disastrous start to the game, taking the two penalties at the same time. Instead, you know, the Rangers really respond here. They 
dig down deep. They keep the Penguins off the scoreboard despite being two men down for a full two minutes. And you think like, okay, we're going to build on this. The crowd's into it. You know, the crowd kind of came alive a little bit once this kill was over. It didn't really happen, though. The Penguins kind of just picked up right where they left off in game four and, for the most part, controlled the play uh, all through the first period, all through the second period. They take the lead in the first period on a goal from Jake Gensel. I mean, what else is new? That's his sixth goal of the series. Matheson to Russ to Gensel. And the Penguins take the one to nothing lead. And on this play, you know, Rangers just not defending well. The Penguins entered the Rangers zone with a two-on-three situation. They only had two forwards going over the line. The Rangers had three guys back. The Rangers had strength in numbers. It shouldn't have been this much of a problem. But the Penguins, again, just continue to dominate on the forecheck, continue to dominate on the boards. They just continued to keep this play alive. The Rangers didn't body anybody. They couldn't knock the puck away from anybody, just did not defend well at all on this play. And play just keeps going and going. And then Gensel, you know, brings the puck in. He's right there on the doorstep. Uh, you get a save from Igor Shesterkin, but the puck goes behind the goal line and Gensel with a bank shot off the skate of Igor Shesterkin into the net. And just like that, it's one nothing Pittsburgh. And like I said, you know, the second period, the first three quarters of it weren't really a whole lot better. Uh, yet a situation in the second where uh, Adam Fox really with an ill-advised pinch, he went in deep into the Penguins zone trying to keep the play alive, but this just wasn't the time to do it. It was way too easy to get the puck by him. And just like that, the Penguins have strength in numbers going the opposite way. You had Braden Schneider uh, making a hit along the boards just inside the Ranger blue line. He took out Zucker, and that was great and everything, but Zucker was able to work the puck ahead to Evgeny Malkin. And at this point, the only guy back is Capo Caco. The Rangers are scrambling. They're trying to get back on the back check. And Malkin, with a cross-ice pass for Crystal Tying by this point, Adam Fox, you know, was back into the frame. He was trying to get back as fast as he could, but it was too late. He even dove to try to break up the pass. Couldn't quite get there. And Malkin's pass connects with Latang, and Latang slams a one-timer into the net. And just like that, it's two to nothing. And it did have a little bit of that, oh man, here we go again, kind of a feel to it. But the Rangers were right on the precipice of turning this game around uh, suddenly and emphatically. Uh, Fast forward about another seven minutes here, and Adam Fox uh, finally gets the Rangers going a little bit. The Rangers, this was their best shift of the game even before Adam Fox scored this goal because, you know, they were in on the forecheck. They were working really hard to maintain possession of the puck. Good passing. A good job out hustling the Penguins to get to some loose pucks here as well. Yet a situation where Andrew Kopp was in the right faceoff circle, right on the dot basically, and passed across the ice to the left faceoff circle to Jacob Truba. And I'm thinking goal at this point. This looked like it was just a beautiful setup. And, you know, Truba's got a rocket of a slap shot. And I'm thinking this is going into the net. Truba not able to, you know, get good wood on his slap shot attempt here. The puck goes into the corner. But a great job by Truba darting over into the corner, getting to the loose puck before the Penguins can. He sends it around the boards, behind the net. Uh, Strom tips it, you know, kind of just keeps it going up the boards on the other side. And once again, it comes to Andrew Kopp. And then Kopp passes back to Adam Fox. And Fox... You know, he realizes he's got a little bit of space in front of him. He takes advantage of that, slowly moves in toward the net, and finally just lets it fly and beats Louis Domingue clean. And just like that, the Rangers back into the game with 4.49 remaining in the second period. Just an absolutely huge goal by the Rangers and, you know, showing uh, a lot of tenacity during this play here. Again, just flat out outworking the Penguins, which is something that we didn't see enough uh, for a good chunk of this series. But we saw it here, uh, just a blue-collar goal by the Rangers and Adam Fox, you know, letting it fly, scoring his third goal of the playoffs and uh, a much-needed goal for the New York Rangers at that point in the game.
And then this goal by Lafreniere just a minute and a half later that ties the score. Cliche or not, just a complete team effort by the New York Rangers on this play. You've got Lafreniere, he's got the puck behind the Penguin net. He's being defended by Evgeny Malkin, and it looks like Lafreniere is going to try to carry the puck around, you know, the opposite side of the net, but instead, he hits the brakes, goes back the other way, kind of shakes Malkin off of him, backhands the puck up the boards to Keandre Miller. Miller blasts a slap shot from the point, goes wide of the net, and what happens here? Well, the Raiders actually won the race to a loose puck, and it's amazing what can happen and how much better you can play when you're simply just winning those 50-50 pucks, those battles, and just digging deep and playing with some desperation, the desperation that was sorely missing for the Rangers in Game 4. But yeah, Truba gets to the loose puck, and he pinches in up the boards, Passes back to Philip Hedl. Now, Hedl's in a tough spot here because he receives this pass. He's got his momentum carrying him, you know, toward the neutral zone, and he's running out of real estate. He doesn't have a lot of room here before he's going to get to the blue line. There's a defender breathing down his neck, but what does he do? He just calmly backhands it back up the boards to Jacob Truba, who by this point has moved into the corner. Truba's got a guy all over him as well, but he's able to move the puck ahead behind the net to Capo Caco, and Caco's being pursued as well. He's got two Penguins uh, closing in on him. One's chasing him uh, out one side of the net, and the other is, you know, coming toward him from in front of the net. But he stays calm, handles the puck very well, and makes a really nice backhand pass in front to Alexi Lafreniere. Lafreniere scores from the doorstep, 2-2. Two two. Madison Square Garden goes crazy, and the Rangers right back in this game. Just like that, they've got new life, and they were not done there because uh, just a minute and 12 seconds after this, you've got Andrew Kopp in on the forecheck, pressuring Friedman. You know, Friedman's got the puck. He's coming around behind the Penguin net. He tries to play it up the boards, but he does so very softly, and I think that was due uh, in large part to the pressure that was being applied by Andrew Kopp. The Rangers' forecheck was non-existent earlier in this game, and it's come alive in a big way and uh, just applying all sorts of pressure to the Penguins and, in this case, causing them to make a mistake and turn the puck over. And because of this pressure by Kopp, Friedman just weakly plays the puck up the boards, and Andrew Kopp gets to the loose puck before anybody on the Penguins can. Kopp dishes back to the blue line to Keandre Miller. Miller passes to his left to Artemi Panarin on the left side of the rink, and Panarin winds up for a one-timer, puts it wide of the net. Uh, but the puck, you know, obviously, Panarin, there's a lot of juice on his slap shot there, and the puck comes around up the boards to the right point. Jacob Truba's there, and at this point, it's all Jacob Truba. Just a tremendous individual effort here. He absolutely fakes Jeff Carter out of his skates, moves up the right side. He's kind of in the right face-off circle area, uh, veers to his left into the slot, and flicks a backhand shot past Louis Domingue to give the Rangers a 3-2 lead. Just a complete 180, completely out of nowhere here late in the second period. And this goes back to what we talked about in our most recent episode when we were looking at ways that the Rangers could get back into this series and at least win Game 5 in Madison Square Garden. You just got to will yourself sometimes to those high-danger scoring opportunities. The Rangers were settling for too many shots from along the perimeter. Nobody was driving toward the net. Nobody was really doing much of anything on the forecheck. This is still a battle of wills is the game of hockey especially when it comes to the Stanley Cup playoffs. And Jacob Truba here, again, the outstanding move to get right around Jeff Carter. He goes to the net and, again, just, just skates into that high-danger scoring area that is the slot. And he takes the backhand shot and puts it into the net. And there's too many instances in this series where, and I'm not singling out Jacob Truba here, I'm, I'm looking at the entire Ranger team, 
where if somebody had the puck in this exact same situation, they probably would have looked to make an extra pass instead of, once again, just taking advantage of the fact that there's some open real estate in front of you and you've got a good chance to get into a high-danger scoring opportunity and take your shot. There's too many times where the Rangers have been passing in situations like this. Once you get to a good spot in the ice, good real estate, and you know a, a spot where you feel like there's a good chance to score a goal, don't look for that extra pass. Just shoot it. And I think you know when Truba first got around Jeff Carter, there was a time there where maybe he was looking to make the pass, but uh, there wasn't really a pass to be made. I mean, maybe Panarin was slightly open on the left side of the rink, kind of where he had just taken that slap shot from, but... Truba, once he got past Carter, he had uh, you know a lot of open ice in front of him and uh, a clear path to the front of the Penguins' net. He took it, he took the shot, and he scored. And again, there's too, been too many instances in this series where the Rangers are passing up good scoring opportunities to look for that extra pass. So I'm glad Truba, hey, be a little bit selfish sometime. He saw the opportunity, he took matters into his own hands, he shot, he scored, and he gave the Rangers a 3-2 lead. Unfortunately, you know, the issue with the Rangers not having their best shift and the shift that immediately follows a goal, Reader Tugley ahead here. I mean, I can't even really say that because let's be honest here, the Rangers scored a goal and then, you know, score another goal right after that and then score another goal right after that. So for the most part, the Rangers were good in the shift that followed a goal. And in this case, it was a misplay of the puck by Igor Shesterkin that led to a goal by Jake Gensel and uh, allowed the Penguins to tie the game at 3-3 before the end of the second period. Igor got to the puck behind the Ranger net and tried to make like kind of a short pass to Philip Hedel, it looked like. I'm not sure exactly who he was passing to. There were two Rangers in the area, but the puck is turned over. Uh, shot by the Penguins. Save made by Igor Shesterkin, but Evgeny Malkin gets to the puck behind the Ranger net. Circles around the back of it, passes in front to Jake Gensel. Gensel scores from the doorstep, and just like that, it's 3-3, three to three, which is indeed the score heading into the third period. Of course, we're going to break down Philip Hedl's game-winning goal. Also going to have a lot to say about everything that happened between Jacob Truba and Sidney Crosby. Crosby had to leave the game late in the second period due to a hit from Truba, and we'll see if the league has anything to say about that, and we'll get to all that stuff in just a second. But first, just want to let everybody know that today's episode of Lockdown New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device. To learn more about the trends and action, bet online where the game starts. All right, so as promised, going to go ahead and break down this game-winning goal by Filipino, which occurred on the power play. And it's funny because, you know, earlier in this series, we did a crossover episode with Hunter Hodes of Locked on Penguins. Always a good time talking some hockey with Hunter. And we did a couple of crossovers throughout the season, really. And one of the things we talked about that these two teams kind of had in common was that the second power play unit was mostly a non-factor for both teams in the regular season. You know, a goal every once in a blue moon, but for the most part, not getting a lot of ice time on the man advantage. And even when they do, not really really making a whole lot happen and certainly not scoring a lot of goals. But the Penguins' second power play unit came up big for them in Game 3. They scored twice on the power play in that game, and now it was the Rangers' turn because the Rangers got a power play early in the third period here, and, you know, the first power play unit had... You know, a pretty strong showing for themselves, but they didn't end up scoring. Second power play unit is on the ice. You've got a situation where our old friend Brian Boyle, you know, the Penguins are shorthanded. He's moving toward the Ranger net, kind of just falls down, and uh, Rangers come away with the puck. Frank Vitrano 
carries the puck from his own zone all the way through the neutral zone across the blue line for the Penguins. There's a couple of Penguins stepping up to him. Lafreniere's there as well. Uh, Vitrano, it looked like, tried to leave the puck for Lafreniere. Lafreniere got a piece of it, but it was like, you know, off his stick, off the skate of a Penguin defenseman. It was one of those follow-the-bouncing-puck kind of plays, and eventually it kind of just skips ahead to Philip Heedle, who's gotten behind the Pittsburgh defense at this point, and Heedle doesn't really think about it. He just turns and rips it into the net. Seemed to catch Louis Domingue by surprise there. And just like that, the Rangers back on top at 4-3. Philip Heedle almost did his best Artemi Panarin impression here. He had uh, the big high leg kick after he scored, so that was cool to see. But, I mean, this kid line cannot say enough about the job that they've done just growing up right in front of our very eyes. Been one of the most consistent Ranger lines, probably the most consistent Ranger line in the playoffs. They've been very strong in the forecheck. They've done a lot of tremendous work to keep plays alive, to maintain possession in the offensive zone, and they're rewarded for it here. I mean, I realize this is kind of a hybrid of the kid line because uh, it was Vetrano, Lafreniere, and uh, Heedle that contributed on this play, but be that as it may, uh, nice to see Lafreniere get the primary assist and set up uh, Heedle for what turned out to be the game-winning goal here. Just great stuff from Philip Heedle. I've been tough on Philip Heedle at times this season. I got to give a big shout out to Dan on Twitter. Dan, I gather that he's a big Philip Heedle fan, and you know he was kind of talking up the kid line as this game was progressing. And lo and behold, here they come. You know they they score the the game winning goal, what turned out to be the game winning goal in a clutch spot in the third period on the power play. A uh, huge moment for Philip Heedle, who actually had a pretty funny take about uh, his goal after the game. This is what he had to say: I don't even know how it gets to me. But the whole season, I didn't score too many goals because I was thinking too much on the chances. Now I just close my eyes and shoot. And so uh, as funny as it is to believe that uh, Philip Heedle had his eyes closed on his goal here, I don't think that was actually the case. But, uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, there's times where I've been a little bit tough on Philip Heedle. His shot accuracy is certainly not always the best. And sometimes you got to just do what he said here, not necessarily close your eyes, but just let instincts take over. Don't try to be too fine with your shot. Trust your instincts, trust your natural ability, and just fire the puck at the net and see what happens. And that's what Philip Heedle did here. I mean, there was maybe a pass that could have been made. Andrew Kopp, he might have been somewhat open on the other side of the rink, but it goes back to what we were talking about. If you get the puck in a high danger scoring opportunity, let it fly at the net. Louis Domingue has played well in this series. It's been admirable how he stepped in there and given the Penguins a chance to win this series. Of course, they're still up three games to two, but it's not prime Dominic Koshik. So if you get a chance in a good scoring area, just let it fly. And as we talked about, we got to go ahead and talk about this situation, the hit that Jacob Truba put on Sidney Crosby that knocked Crosby out of the game. And first of all, let me just preface this entire thing by saying that uh, head injuries are no joke. And, you know, if you're a Ranger fan, there's a pretty good chance you're not a big fan of Sidney Crosby, but anybody who's happy about this, celebrating any of this, you got to seek some help, okay? You should never be rooting for anybody to get injured, and Sidney Crosby is no exception to that rule, so all the best to Sidney Crosby. Hopefully, it's not a concussion or anything like that. As far as the play itself, it's borderline as far as, you know, whether this can be classified dirty or not. You know, Truba earlier this season... There was a stretch of games there. This happened about three times in the span of maybe five or six games tops. And Truba, you know, during that that time period that I just referenced, he had about three really big hits on somebody that sent them to the ice and kind of looked bad going at full speed. But when you watch the replay, they were textbook crystal clean hits, you know, shoulder to chest, knocking his guy to the ice. And on pretty much all those occasions, Jacob Truba was attacked by every single player that was on the ice for the opposing team. So those hits were all clean. As far as this one goes, 
I mean, look, it's a situation where the Rangers are down two to nothing. It's getting late in the second period. If the Rangers go down three to nothing, it's getting close to being curtains for this team. Never say never. You can always come back. Uh, but the way this game was going, if the Rangers found themselves in a three to nothing hole, they would have been in dire, dire straits. Uh, there's a pass to Crosby. Crosby's moving into the slot area, um, looking to obviously, you know, extend the Penguins' lead here. And Truba's got to do something. Sidney Crosby has absolutely dominated this series, basically skated circles around the New York Rangers, looking like prime vintage Sidney Crosby. And Truba stepped to him, put a big hit on him, knocked him down to the ice, and Crosby left the ice and eventually left the game as well. Now, when Truba makes contact here, I don't think he's going in maliciously, but his elbow kind of went up high and caught Crosby in the head. So it's one of those situations where it really is borderline. And I think, you know, obviously the league is going to have a heck of a decision to make here. I, I wouldn't go so far as to saying this was dirty or that Truba was trying to give Sidney Crosby a concussion or anything like that. And I've watched this replay a whole bunch of times. It looks like when contact is initially made that Truba is trying to do what he did earlier this season. And that's basically just drive his shoulder through the chest of his opponent. Now, Crosby's stick is in the air just a little bit. I feel like, you know, maybe Truba's arm was elevated by Crosby's stick a little bit. And as a result of that, Truba's elbow makes contact with Crosby's head. Again, I don't think there was malicious ill intent here. Truba's going to hit you as hard as he can, but he tends to do it very clean. And looking at his track record, looking at, you know, all the, uh, the other hits that he gave out this season, they were all clean. And so for that reason, I have to give him the benefit of the doubt on this one as well. The league might feel differently and it does look bad. You know, elbow to the head. They don't mess around with that kind of stuff. It's entirely possible that a suspension could be forthcoming for Jacob Truba. If you're a Ranger fan, you just keep your fingers crossed that uh, it's not coming because uh, losing Jacob Truba would obviously hurt the Rangers. But I got to be fair here, losing Sidney Crosby will definitely hurt the Penguins and probably more so than losing Truba will hurt the Rangers because Crosby's just been on fire in this series. But we'll see. This one could definitely go either way and there's not really a whole lot that we can do right now other than just wait and see what kind of a conclusion that the league comes to uh, as it pertains to this hit by Truba on Crosby. As a result of the injury to Crosby, the Penguins moved Malkin up to the top line with Rust and with Gensel, and there was a situation uh, in the third period. Again, Rangers are up 4-3 to three at this point in the game. Malkin and Gensel, you know, the Penguins had the puck in the Rangers' zone. They just crash into each other, and this results in a 4-on-1 rush for the Rangers, and you're thinking goal when you're seeing this. But unfortunately, this was the rare occurrence of one pass too few, and I got to give a shout-out to Eddie as well. Eddie, you know, is in touch with me quite a bit during the season. We exchange emails every now and then. Uh, he was active on Twitter last night as well. But we were kind of joking about this. I mean, Eddie mentioned, like, how can these guys not score on a four-on-one? And I was kind of joking. I think this is the rare occurrence of one pass too few. You know, in hockey, and especially with the Rangers, there's a lot of instances where, oh, man, one pass too many, one pass too many. This is one pass too few. The Rangers, four-on-one, and Chris Kreider just settles for, you know, a blast of a slap shot from kind of the high slot area. And Louis Domingue made an outstanding save on this. I mean, Kreider very easily could have scored here, but when you got them four-on-one, I think you owe it to yourself to move the puck around a little bit, get Domingue kind of flailing around in his crease, and uh, hopefully out of position, and hopefully you set yourself up for an easy tap-in goal. The Rangers did not do that, and as a result, their lead stays at 4-3 to three at this point. We also got to talk about this scuffle in the third period. This was also when the Rangers were leading 4-3. to three. Pittsburgh was on the power play. You've got a giant scrum after a whistle, and Ryan Strom ends up going to the penalty box for an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. He was enraged. I don't know exactly what started this, but basically, uh, again, the whistle had blown. Cop and Bluger were engaged. You know, they're kind of grabbing onto each other and tussling, and Strom was just livid and trying to get at Teddy Bluger, and... 
Strom, you know, kind of grabbed Bluger underneath the uh, the visor there, and it looked like he was trying to say that Bluger had his hand underneath either his visor or maybe Andrew Kopp's visor. I'm not really sure. Uh, Strom's got to do a better job of keeping his cool in this situation than this, though. And I realize that's easier said than done, uh, but you can't be doing this, you know, putting your team shorthanded when you're playing for your playoff lives and only up by one goal in the third period. Uh, but then there are more fisticuffs. Uh, at the end of this power play, you've got a situation where, once again, there's a whistle, and Malkin and Lindgren, you know, they're tussling behind the Ranger net. They basically just wrestle each other down to the ice, uh, you know, punches being thrown, and as a result of all this, Malkin and Lindgren both go to the penalty box, and so does Jake Gensel, and when I initially saw the replay, you know, I saw Gensel and Miko were kind of engaged. Gensel had him in a little bit of a headlock, but nothing too serious, and I thought, like, wow, that's a pretty soft penalty. Uh, on Gensel there, but then great job by MSG. They saw what happened because this happened, you know, off camera initially, but they showed us a replay after the play was over. Jake Gensel is behind Adam Fox and just punches him in the back of the head, punched him in the back of the head. Classic Jake Gensel. And uh, it is what it is, but I'm glad that the referees saw this and had the guts to call it. And as a result of this, they skate four on four for 19 seconds. The Rangers end up with another power play. Great power play opportunities by the Rangers here. Uh, Fox with a slap shot. Kreider with a rebound opportunity. The Rangers did everything but score on this power play. I was also talking with Eddie about this on Twitter as well. I think the Ranger power play is due for a monster night in game six in Pittsburgh. This power play unit, too good, too dangerous, too proficient all season to be held down for much longer. And they did score on the power play in this game. Uh, they went one for three overall, but I think the Rangers are due for just a monster night on the man advantage. Of course, that also entails the referees actually calling penalties on Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the least penalized team in the league, but if the Rangers get their opportunities on the power play, I get the feeling they're going to take full advantage in game six. We get to the last couple minutes of this game, and a great play by Capo Caco. There's about 2.45 left in this game. Uh, he's in on the four check, and the Penguins are trying to get the puck away from him, and he just will not let them do it. He's behind the Pittsburgh net. He's spinning away from guys. They're chasing him. They, they can't put their body on him. They can't get the puck away from him. And, you know, at one point, he just had the puck pinned against the boards. You know, the, the Penguins had him pinned against the boards, and Caco had possession of the puck and just would not give it up. Uh, Alexi Lafreniere chipped in as well. But the Rangers did a really nice job on the four check keeping the puck pinned deep in Pittsburgh zone as the clock was bleeding away. And obviously the clock is your friend at that point. The more time that you can just kill, the better. And then of course the Penguins end up pulling Louis Deming. Uh, there's a face-off in the Rangers zone with 57 seconds left. The Rangers go with Rooney, Cop, Truba, Mika, and Lindgren. I got no issue. Those are the five guys that should be on the ice in that situation. So I love that. And Mika wins the faceoff. The Rangers get it into the Penguins zone. Uh, Penguins dump it back into the Rangers zone with 39 seconds left. But then Ryan Lindgren, again, just an unsung hero of this New York Rangers season. He lifts the puck out of the zone. Jake Gensel in the neutral zone gets his glove on it, but the puck continues to skip ahead and eventually rolls right into the Penguins' empty net. Just a beautiful sight there. Nice to see uh, Gensel put the puck into his own net as opposed to the Ranger net for a change here because Gensel has absolutely lit up the Rangers uh, in this series. So nice to see the puck once again deflect off of him and into the wrong net if you're a Penguins fan. But that sealed the win for the Rangers. A little skirmish behind the Ranger net at the final horn, but Rangers get the win. They keep their season alive. And again, just the gutsiest performance of the New York Rangers season to date. But as I mentioned before, I think that the Rangers, the only way that we're going to see a Game 7, they have to play their absolute best game of the series in Game 6 in Pittsburgh. If they get off to the kind of start in Pittsburgh that they did in this Game, game 5 here in Madison Square Garden, then I don't know that they're going to live to see uh, a Game 7 because you know that crowd's going to be rocking, and it's one of those situations where the game can get away from you pretty fast, especially when you're on the road. So the Rangers need a much better start and just need to play a better overall game 
They need their best game of the series if they're going to force a Game 7. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that's LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that's at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It is free and available wherever you get your podcasts.